Welcome to the Terrawatt Space Podcast. This is Arvind. In this podcast, I demystify Earth observation, satellite data, and all its applications. Happy Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. Today, I'm speaking with Daniel Wicks, Head of Geospatial Intelligence at Satellite Applications Catapult in the UK. Satellite Applications Catapult is an entity set up by the UK and is one of the nine catapults aimed at building innovation and driving economic growth. I was interested to speak with Dan because I believe the organization is doing important work in being the bridge between the satellite data producers, which is the Earth Observation industry, and the rest of the world, which are the users of the data. I also wanted to dive deep into the challenges in using satellite data today and the things that need to be done to make EO mainstream. In this episode, we discuss the state of adoption of EO, the pilot project problem, importance of standards and interoperability, whether the catapult model can scale around the world, and more. And now I bring you Daniel Wicks. Hi, Dan. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Really looking forward to this conversation. Cool. So let's get started. The first question that I start with is to ask guests to describe their story. And you know, I'm going to ask the same to you. What's your story and how did you end up doing what you're doing now? Great question. I mean, I think my story starts with me describing myself as a geographer, really. Um, that's my background in terms of education, and that was born out of a, a long-term passion for the planet and its environment and wanting to understand that and be in it as much as possible. Um, and, and then that sort of passion grew into sort of geospatial and geospatial data science and then a specialism in Earth observation. Sounds good. And you are working at Satellite Applications Catapult. And for those who don't know, um, could you give a, an overview of what your organization is about? Because you're doing some very interesting things. Yeah, of course, absolutely. So the Satellite Applications Catapult is an independent innovation and technology company. We were created by Innovate UK, which is part of UK government, um, to really drive economic growth in the UK through the exploitation of space. And um, our mission is about innovating for a better world empowered by space. And we do that by really ha- uh, supporting businesses to realize their potential from space technology and the application of that, that technology. All right. And you have an Earth Observation division, correct? So what are your activities within the Earth Observation and geospatial world? So... Within geospatial intelligence, which is a sort of core core part of the satellite applications catapult program program of work, I guess you could say our mission is really about making Earth observation a ubiquitous part of everyday decision making. Um, so, what does that mean practically? Well, it's really about trying to accelerate the adoption of geospatial analytics into sort of standard business processes, really. So, it becomes a core business intelligence tool set. What is striking about uh, the state of EO today, at least for me, is how, you know, all the innovations seem to be very technology centric. And, you know, there are very few that are coming out that are problem driven and product centric. Uh, Is it something that you see as well? Uh, And how do you kind of work with do you work with companies or do you, you know, do you want to create companies that are very product centric? You know, there are two approaches, either kind of molding what the existing ones to be more product driven and problem centric, you know, making them speak to the end users and, you know, you being the kind of the middleman, uh, is that your strategy or is it more about having more organizations come up, startups come up that start at the problem and, you know, develop the applications from then on? I, th- I think there's, I mean, that's a, that's a huge question. I think there's room for, 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 for all of the above in terms of maturing the market. And that kind of characterization of maturity is really key, key to all of this. If you look at, 
kind of markets that are less mature, you seem you, you, you tend to see drivers that are more focused in science and technology development and less drivers focused in the industrialization of technology and the enablement of markets. And I guess the key is, you know, as we mature the earth observation sector, if that's what we, you know, what we want, want to call it, we need to make sure we're investing in and supporting those both those industrialization processes and the enablement of uh, of the, those end, those end user markets and you know in some cases that will mean you know needing to uh, have businesses that are more user centric in their approach and you know that will not just mean space companies trying to play in those markets that will be the incumbent supply chain actors really adopting and making use of these technologies to enhance what they've got and at the same time, there will be room in the market for more, uh, you know, horizontal, you know, tech, sort of market agnostic solutions that will be enabling of, or, you know, of improvements that can be delivered through, through space technology. So there's there's room for all of these things, but I think the key is to make sure we're prioritising, you know, growth in the right in the right areas. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, I've I've written about both of these trends before. You know, one is verticalization, where you know a company that's developing satellites or developing products decides to focus on a vertical or a problem or a use case and then, you know, go about it uh, in a verticalized way. Or, you know, there we are also starting to see backward vertical integration, which is, you know, these industrial companies, which is basically every other company in the world that is not EO, um, either trying to develop their own solutions or, you know, some even have, you know, are started thinking about sending their own satellites up. You know, we can dis- discuss about, you know, whether it's right or wrong or, you know, whether, <laughs> you know, if it's sustainable from a space debris point of view. But, um, you know, those two trends are pretty interesting. And of course, you know, there are actors who don't belong to these three categories who, who are very horizontal, of course. But how do you see this playing out? Because, you know, it's been interesting for me to see, you know, all of this happen, um, you know, looking at the market, analyzing the market. But, you know, from your position, you know, do you discourage a company to not, you know, get into EO and develop their own satellites or develop their own products? Uh, or do you kind of encourage with the, you know, the incumbents who already have the solution, maybe they need some molding, or maybe they need to talk to the end customers better, you know, there's kind of, it's conflicting, but it's also challenging. I think it's, um, I think there's room for, 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 for both approaches, but there's definitely some disruption required in the market. If I look at the UK space sector particularly, because that's really where my, you know, my, my knowledge and expertise lies. If you look in the sort of value-added services segment of the, of, 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 of the, of the value chain, um, you know, there's, it's characterized by lots of small businesses, and some of those are primarily consultancy businesses. And many of them, you know, live on a, you know, either a grant or single contract to single contract basis. You know, there are very few really good examples of recurring revenues from from long term contracts. Um, And I think there's a challenge around, well, how do we, you know, how do we translate or transform from the former, you know, to to the latter? And that's a very difficult thing for small businesses to do. There are lots of potential blockers, you know, not least the sort of risk and investment that's potentially involved in making making that 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 step. So there's something in that space to be, you know, to be addressed. I also think, you know, maybe there's, you know, maybe therefore there is an op- an opportunity for an aggregator type model where you can bring these capabilities to, to, together within a sort of single front door offering. And that also goes some way to addressing challenges around things like, you know, 
the glass ceiling that smaller business businesses will have selling into 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 certain markets. So I think that there are some creative ways in which, as an ecosystem, particularly in the UK, we can overcome some of those barriers to mature, you know, mature the sector and encourage that 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 increased adoption. At the same time, there's a hugely important role in educating different markets around the you know the possibilities uh, and the value add from 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 earth observation and in many cases those organizations may need to develop their own capabilities because at the end of the day there are very you tend to find on a case by case basis very specific requirements drive very very specific solutions um and if there's one thing we're quite good at you know uh, in, in space is making things seem more complicated than than they are and perhaps not communicating so well which is which you know puts puts people off yeah 100 percent. i think that's uh that's a that's a big problem in the space industry you know i'm kind of an outsider you know i got into the industry six years ago and you know when i try to navigate and learn about how things work especially within the world of eo you know there was no you know, resource, uh, you know, not even a value chain diagram, right? Like these guys are the producers and these guys are the aggregators and these guys are, you know, the solution builders, right? The, even that didn't exist. So, you know, there's there's a lot of work to do. And, you know, there's that's something that I hope to do with my initiative with TerraWatch. But I want to take a step back and, you know, kind of let the listeners get a sense of what's going on in the UK, because, you know, there's the, the, the UK is, you know, in my opinion, one of the fastest growing markets for Earth observation. And, and I always view Earth observation as not just a technology, you know, just because we have a technology doesn't mean that it's going to grow. I always view it as a threefold thing. You know, you need to have the technology and, you know, you have then the government that needs to kind of support and build a strategy around it. And then the third, you need to have organizations like yourself to kind of, you know, put them together so that, you know, they can become commercialized. So, you know, I, I view it as a threefold thing. And I see that happening in the UK because, you know, there's a lot of interest from the space agency and also from the public sector. So I wanted you to kind of give an overview of what's going on in the UK with respect to EU. Yeah, so the, I mean, the UK has a rich history in playing in the, in the space sector and doing really well at it. And I guess, you know, um, if you take a step back from that, you know, I talked about the fact that there's a maturity challenge around Earth observation, you know, really that applies to, in my, in my opinion, commercial space as opposed to more traditional institutional space. When it comes to institutional space, that is a pretty mature sector, and 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 and, and the UK has always done very well in that. Whether it's uh, all the way through from designing instruments to building and launching small satellites to doing the ground segment or the or the analytics, we've got we've got expertise across the board. And I think the big challenge for us is how do we pivot that across to the commercial space opportunity uh, and you know there are increasingly um, businesses you know you know operating in 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 that com- com- commercial space but exactly as you described there are some core elements that need to be in place to allow that market market to thrive um, we, our government is increasingly placing value in the role that space can play for a number of reasons not least because of the the important climate and sustainability agendas that we're 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 championing to, to today um, we have for the first time you know a national space strategy um, it's a coherent strategy across civil and defense so those two parts are playing you know playing nicely together in a way that that they haven't before 
Um, we've always been a you know a, a a significant investor into programs like ESA, but we've never really had substantial national programs of, of activity, and that's partly partly a product of not having our own missions, you know, in 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 the UK. But we are prepared to make those investments now, um, and UK government is thinking very carefully about you know what do those investments kind of kind of look like so there's lots to come in 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 that area i think the key thing though is for the private sector and the public sector to be working you know together um there is a bit of a, uh, an expectation in the private sector that the the government is a is a big customer traditionally uh, and that there is an expectation they will invest as a way to de-risk technologies and, and, and mature the market and yes I think you know I, I think government can play that role but the private sector needs to bring that demand to the table and financing to the table to match alongside what the public sector can do and then the public sector could be a bit more strategic in terms of focusing on the blockers that it uniquely can can unlock whether it's uh, regulation or investing in public goods, um, infrastructure that is enabling of everybody, or even whether it's trading on, you know, the government's brand. We have a really strong um, international brand, you know, in in the UK that we take all over the world, and that's a brilliant platform for, you know, for for for, for export, uh, and often something that's sort of under undervalued. Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, when I think about the UK, I at least I've noticed in the last four or five years. You know, you talked about the coherent strategy, and you know, it's across the space industry, of course. But even when I just look into Earth observation, and you know, how you're looking at both the technology part of things, but also on the adoption side, um, you know, a lot of initiatives going on. Um, you know, a lot of funding instruments um, as well. So it's great to see that happening, and you know, hopefully there's going to be a lot of success stories to come out. Um, but I want to talk about one not so success story in Earth observation, which is basically the the pilot problem, right? We, we t we've talked about it before and I've written about it and several people have talked about it is a lot of projects in Earth observation don't go, you know, after the pilot phase and whether it's with the public sector or, you know, if they are private companies that are, you know, building Earth observation solution or acquiring for some reason, a lot of these projects stop at pilot phase. It's not due to availability of funding. You know, they. I view this Earth observation as a type of data. So essentially, software. You know, these companies spend millions of dollars on software. So it's not that they don't have the funding. What What is the reason you think? Well, first of all, do you agree if that, that's uh, the, the, uh, agree with the pilot problem case? And second, if you do, then you know what are the reasons for you know stopping there? Yeah, it's a good question, and and uh, I I think. It's a good observation and an accurate observation, and we certainly see that in the UK. And, and actually, I do, you know, I do think part of the problem is the availability of, of funding. But we can talk, uh, we can talk about that. We have a lot of really great research and development programs in the UK. And again, if you come back to my view of sort of maturity of the market and, and in drivers, you know, that funding is typically available in the sort of science and technology development areas, you know, which can only take you, take you so far. Um, you know, then there's an onus on the businesses to take on that risk and to develop that 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 forward. You know, maybe that appetite for risk doesn't exist so so much in 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 certain organisations. Um, so there's a question of well, how how can we you know how can we overcome that sort of barrier? You know, I think 
as the UK reimagines the way it invests in space, it needs to think you know, very carefully about how to support the industrialization of those te- technologies and support businesses to, 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 to do that. Um, you know, I also think programs like the Catapult program have been put in place to try and help with that, you know, that, that dynamic. So, you know, we do a lot to try and support businesses to de-risk those opportunities, to provide expertise and advice. You know, are there certain skills or expertise that diverge from the traditional technical suite when you're initially sort of developing a product or service that are useful you know we can bring some of that to bear and advise people and we can do that in a neutral you know a neutral way as well um, so we can broker relationships with the market um, the market will trust us because we're not trying to sell you know sell anything to to, to, to anyone and, and we also offer a number of sort of business support programs uh, to, to, to help with commercialization and the steps that needs you need to go through to develop a go-to-market strategy um, refine your value proposition makes sense and you know we talked about you mentioned funding um, but I also I'm also curious is availability of data a problem um, because you know there there might be some cases where you know uh, for a use case they might they might try our solution and either we are too expensive um, or the, the right solution is just not there. So maybe we need to, you know, wait for those satellites, whether it's with infrared or hyperspectral, whatever the sensors. Do you think that's a case? Is there a case to be made for data availability? Big, I mean, big topic. So, I, th- I mean, I think that there's plenty of data, plenty of data available, but how easy is it to really discover it yeah. and access it? And is it truly interoperable, etc.? Exactly, I mean, yeah. there are big, big questions you know, big questions around that. If you're if you're not coming from the sector, uh, and you're walking into that landscape, it's you know really challenging to, to understand where you know where where to start. You know, as somebody working in the sector, it's a really challenging and complex <laughs> yeah. thing, right? And I would call myself you know call myself an expert. So, I think that there's a huge amount of work that needs to go go on, uh, you know, around those those kind of kind of issues. Um, you know, just to pick a, you know, just to pick a couple to talk about, you know, standardization of data is a, is 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 a, is a big one. Um, you know, people talk about Earth observation data as a commodity, but you know, I don't think it's really a commodity because there's such a lack of standardization in the way that it's made available or priced or you know even licensed, right? I, you know, we did a study recently with UK government looking at public sector use of earth observation and one of the biggest challenges that came back from you know the various users was biggest blocker is in the licensing and the and licensing agreements and how just to manage that Uh, the overhead attached to managing that from a contract perspective is is a blocker so it has nothing to do with you know the tech the technical nature of, of, of 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 the data necessarily so you know i think i think there's a lot of work to be done in that space um how to you know how to drive that forward i i i don't i i don't know it's interesting to look at you know certain improvements that we're seeing so take something like stack for, for yeah for the for those who don't know stack is basically spatial spatiotemporal asset catalog a standard that's an open source project uh if, if that's correct just for listeners who don't know sorry continue 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's a fantastic piece of work. But it's inter- the interesting thing for me is that it's come from the community. It hasn't been something that the, you know, the satellite companies themselves have thought to develop. And it, it, it's sort of baffling that these complexities of navigating data accessibility are so great, yet, uh, yet there isn't more of an effort to sort of over, overcome those. And I wonder if it's because there's not yet a sufficient critical mass in the commercial side of the market that, that, that people have a vested interest to, to overcome those, cha- those challenges. I mean, if you think about you know, the biggest players from a very high resolution data perspective, you know, they have hundreds of million, you know, dollar contracts with the defense, the defense community, which, you know, overshadows, you know, significantly anything or any opportunity that they're seeing in a sort of civil commercial, commercial space. So what's the incentive to, to sort of pander to what those, those, those markets need? Yeah, 100%. And, you know, this is the, the point that you're making about, uh, you know, the contracts that they have is actually the reason why I'm kind of glad that there are a lot of players coming up. Usually it's not a good thing if, you know, the market gets too fragmented and, you know, there are too many people doing the same thing. But, you know, for once, I'm actually going to be glad if too many people are going to be doing the same thing because the share of that pie goes down. So, you know, they are incentivized to then innovate, right? So I'm, I'm guessing that's going to happen soon because the supply of, you know, imagery is, is going up, right? Like, you know, whether it's very high resolution, we're talking 30, 10, you know, sometimes even 10 these days, uh, but 30, 50, one meter, there's going to be more than one player operating in the market. And that's never been the case before, right? Like we've had maximum of two and suddenly we're going to have three, four, five, six. And I, I guess that's going to help that, you know, incentivization. But, you know, talking of the boring problems, right, the standardization interoperability. And, you know, for me, I'm not an expert. And the reason I kind of, got interested in these subjects was I was asking the same thing. Why can't I overlay an image on another image? Because from an outsider's point of view, that's just obvious, right? Like you want to overlay one source over the other source, um, making sure it's the right format and, you know, over the uh, same um, same location, but it's not the case, right? And that's where open source initiatives help. Um, and, you know, I'm a huge fan of, fan of Stack as well, but uh, what I also don't want to happen is, you know, have, you know, the the repeat of the software industry. You know, I came, I've come from the software industry and we don't want one company to set the standard and, you know, kind of then be locked in into that company standard. So I'm kind of glad that Stack exists as an open source initiative. So do you, do you have thoughts on open source and, you know, the future of open source and Earth Observation? Yeah, I mean, I think open source is hugely important for all of the reasons that you, you know, you you describe, and uh, you know, there will always, I, you know, I think there will always be a place for open source and commercial off-the-shelf, you know, um, uh, so, 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 solutions for the very reason that, you know, on a case-by-case basis, you're you're going to have slightly different requirements for, you know, the data where you store and process the data and how you process the data and finding the right combination of those elements is sort of key to unlocking a any given sort of value value proposition for any given given use case so having actually that range of tools available is is hugely important and 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 linked to that i guess is a point a point i would make in the sense that um we we need to find this this balance between going far enough where we can 
address challenges like standardization in order to reduce the barrier to entry, but not go so far as to dismiss the fact that Earth observation as a data set is always going to continue to evolve as a product of innovations, whether it's in the way that that data is collected or the way that that data is processed. And so you have to have a an industry that is redundant to, to, to that change. So there's a fine balance to be sought between everything being so bespoke that it's completely complex and unusable, but allowing people to also benefit from you know, from those innovations. Yeah, it makes sense. And, you know, it makes me wonder what's the role of space agencies here? Because, you know, you can argue there's, a, you know, a role to be played by the space agencies and perhaps organizations like Satellite Applications Catapult. But is this up to the space agency then to kind of define? Because, you know, they are the ones who are going to be the most objective, um, but also who are going to be, you know, up to date with what's coming next so that what kind of frameworks they're building today are going to be compatible in the future. So is that the role of the space agency, you think? I mean, I think it, dep- it depends, you know, uh, on what space agency in which country and what the context is. But, you know, g- g- generally, I think space agencies have an important role to play as an independent, you know, organisation that supports everybody's interests. Um, you know, they are able to represent public sector and the needs that they have but also you know provide that interface into the private sector in the UK for a lot of you know a lot of private sector the space agency provides that important you know in, in in interface and whether that's understanding the needs of public sector or understanding regulatory issues um, they can be hugely hugely complicated so I think so I think you know that that's an important role that the space agency in the UK UK plays. Um, you know, potentially it's interesting. The catapult sort of sits alongside the UK space agency, and we work extremely closely together. We tend to be a bit more technically focused than than they are, and and try to promote programs that are very hands-on in terms of applications development. And actually, that that seems to work really really well um in in the uk yeah no 100 and that's why it make, makes me wonder like why aren't there catapults you know in different parts around the world because it seems like and you know to be honest the, one of the reasons that i created terra watch um and you know what what i want to be doing is you know i was just surprised that there was nobody doing it really like looking at things independently you know holistically um you know objectively like you know what we mentioned supporting companies but also supporting the startups and kind of being a bridge so you know is is catapult model you think then um then a kind of a recipe for success um you know because you know you've had quite a lot of success stories and you know you've done a lot of bridging between the industry and the technology and of course there's a long way to go as there's always the case but do you think that's kind of the recipe because i've always wondered um you know how can we kind of get you know earth observation to be mainstream and i think it has kind of reached a point where i need to be we need to be thinking about it it's not science and tech anymore it's it's i think there's a mandate to be commercial because of climate change and you know everything to do with climate adaptation climate risk etc so you know there's a reason and so i'm wondering if you know catapult model is kind of the recipe for success in you i think the the intentions behind the catapults are you know absolutely spot on in terms of trying to address some of those failures to take new products and services to market and really industrialize a, te- a technology 
Um, you know, I think there are big challenges associated with that task, and the program itself in the UK is, you know, less than ten years, ten ten years old, and we're still learning about the best way to do that. We're also taking lessons learned from other programs that exist globally. So, for example, one of the big influences for the Catapult program in the UK was the Fraunhofer Institute program in Germany, um, which, for you know, for your listeners, are essentially um, institutes that sit sit alongside universities to look at sort of spin out and commercialization opportunity. Um, I think there are certain characteristics of the catapult that are hugely important. One is you know being an independent actor in the market. You know we are set up as a not for profit. Um, we are independent, um, but we get a core grant from government, which forms some of our you know re- revenue. So we have this this ability to sit somewhere between public sector and private sector and in, in an ideal world you would take the best elements of both and, and leverage those which is is sort of unique and interesting and that enables us to do things that others just can't do so for example you know when we engage different ver- market verticals to really understand what the opportunities for space technologies might be. They're willing to open up, they're willing to talk, they're willing to share, um, and they're willing to listen to what we have to say about the technology because we will speak about it in a realistic way related to their, you know, to their problem. I think that element is, 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 is really, really important. Um, and then, you know how we work with the market to, to follow through and fulfill those opportunities is really key one of the things we do really well is bringing together you know incumbent organizations in the space sector to deliver against these opportunities um, I think there's a lot of good work the catapult can do to create to create programs of work around those opportunities and also to try and unlock the funding required to, to make to make them happen not relying on the public sector purse all the time to do that but looking for for unlocking money from the private sector to to do that so i think all of these characteristics are really important in terms of contributing to that problem space but we the catapult exist in a much wider ecosystem and i think the elements of that ecosystem are important um as well the fact that we have a a, a mature uh you know private sector is important the fact that we have things like trade associations is is really important the fact we have a space agency is 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 important all of those elements really really add up that that makes me kind of wonder if if there are ways to kind of take this model and you know paste it in different countries because all, all of them have their own strategy have their own priorities coming from you know whatever part of the world they are and you know kind of taking this model and applying there i think there is benefit and one thing that i've always been wondering and it's to do with my recent stint with a weather company is why doesn't the earth observation community engage so much with the weather community because what i've found uh, from my non-technical understanding is there are more things similar than there are different and somehow the the weather industry has kind of mastered the art of you know the application layer because you know you get an alert you don't care what satellite it comes from um, whether it's a flood alert you know for winds you know they're all different variables and each of them have their own scientific modeling going on in the background but nobody cares right and for me that's the best case scenario for eo right like whether it's getting an alert for you know cut down this tree or i don't know you know there's a lot more emissions from from this area seems like there are a lot of things to learn not only on the application layer but also 
you know, how things are modeled and, you know, how things are communicated, how the products are built. So a lot of similarities and, you know, even in the boring problems, right? Like the data is standardized, right? They, people don't, and data is shared around the world, right? So it needs to be standardized. So, you know, maybe there was a, there was a, an incentive to make it standardized, you know? So there are a lot of things, you know, on a higher level that we can learn, but doesn't seem like there's a lot of engagement between the two sectors. Do you kind of agree with that? Because I know that in the UK, the Met Office has a lot of initiatives going on together with um, space uh, agencies and companies. So in the UK, we, you know, the Met Office has an inhu- is an hugely important stakeholder within the Earth observation community. So there is a sort of coherence there, but there tends to be a, you know, there tends to be a lot of siloed working, even within our sector. There are different groups working on the same problems and and, and not and not talking to each other, let alone that sort of cross sector or even cross discipline um, coll- collaboration that's that's re- you know that's really needed, and and that for me would be one of the things that sort of worries me <laughs> about Earth observation, you know, particularly in the UK, is is in, ensuring that multidisciplinary and collaborative approach. So, you know, if, if you latch on to you know some of the sort of buzzword topics at the moment like you know AI you know why is it that a remote sensing scientist is investing in learning how to develop the right methodology for for EO data why are we not working with you know the 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 AI communities through maths and physics departments in universities or, or, or wherever that expertise might lie and and also when it comes to the applied sort of sciences as, 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 as well, our ability to work across those those topics. It's sort of interesting, especially as, as we, we turn towards these major existential crises that, that we're, we in the sector are so passionate about, about solving. That seems to be opening up our eyes to the need to work in, in that more open, open way. And that for me is sort of, is really exciting. So where do you see the big growth coming from because in my opinion there are some traditional markets i don't know if i would call them traditional but you know they are kind of borderline but you know i'm looking at agriculture oil and gas which have used earth observation data on and off but maybe not integrated into their business processes maybe for some but not really but i see that insurance and financial services and infrastructure monitoring like three three of these verticals is being the the future of commercial eo because these are three industries at least in my opinion they are just discovering the potential of EO. I don't know if you agree with that, but these are three industries that I see a lot of potential and perhaps growth opportunities as well. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the, the, the needs the needs of those sectors is also evolving. And if you, if you look at those evolving needs and overlay them with the strengths of Earth observation, there's a really good synergy there. So in terms of, you know, what's can be you know what's can be measured um uh, th- th- there's a good syn- there's a good synergy and i think um you know some of the increasing drivers around things like sustainability are really accelerating the need to you know the need to work in work in those areas but you know the big challenge there is um you know how to catalyze those markets how to encourage adoption and what the right way to do that is there's a lot of small eo companies trying to develop products and services for those sectors but not really getting you know not really getting much much traction is that because um it's unclear what the market is buying from their perspective they're not an educated enough customer 
Um, is it because the market is confusing? Is it because those small businesses, there's just a glass ceiling in terms of you know, who they can sell to because they don't have some of the supporting capabilities and infrastructures in, in place? These are all the sorts of blockers that we're you know, we're looking at a, 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 a the catapult to try and to try and overcome, but a big a big part of it is 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 trust. I think from you know from our experience, um, and there's somewhat a history in Earth observation of overselling, <laughs> which you're which you know you're battling battling against. And within it within industries like insurance, I mean they have used Earth observation for you know for 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 a long for a long time, but they've tended to do that. A lot of the big insurance houses have in you know in-house capabilities to do that work. Trust is more of a long-term problem that needs to be solved with you know with execution really and just showing what we're capable of. But the two things that at least what I hope to solve with what I'm trying to do is the one the first one is on the awareness front to to get to put them you know in front of the the right audience, but then you know forcing them to speak in a language that. They wouldn't otherwise, um, you know, at the end of the day, the, the final customer, they wouldn't care, you know, if your algorithm is that good that you can detect an object with 95% accuracy, right? Because at the end of the day, they, they're just using a product and they wouldn't care unless it's necessary. And, you know, that's the first thing I hope to tackle. And the second thing is more on, you know, working with these organizations to, to help them understand what's going on in the market, because the industry is gotten very fragmented. You know, I mentioned it's a good thing, but... It's a good thing for us if, you know, there are so many companies and, you know, there's a lot of developments. And of course, because of the supply, the prices come down. But just trying to understand who does what is already a huge problem. And, you know, and it's, it's, it was, again, surprising for me that, you know, every company kind of calls and calls themselves providing insights or providing data. And, and if you actually look into it and I've heard, you know, I've worked with companies and they've said, you, you talked about overselling and they've said, you know, they promised insights, but, you know, they just give us an image and, you know, we don't have an, an analyst sitting inside who can work with his images. Right. So, yeah, th- those are things that we need to work with on on with the, with the companies. I, th- I mean, I think there's there's been quite a lot of excitement and, you know, investment from the space sector over the past few years in, in a movement to really try and find technology solutions to making Earth observation more accessible and easier to use, etc., in the hope that that's really going to encourage, you know, this accelerated ado- adoption curve. And whilst I think, you know, to a degree, you know, we will make strides in in, in that direction. Um, you know, there's 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 a strong need to have that sort of services layer in the middle that brokers, <laughs> um, uh, in in the way that you're that, that that you're describing. I think that that's hugely important and. You know, again, if I look at uh, a lot of Earth observation businesses, technology-led in their approach, you know, they lack some of the wider commercial skills and understanding, um, you know, or even basic things like product marketing to, you know, to really d- drive ado- adoption in 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 the right way. So there's sort of education on on both sides really that that's that's required, both supply and demand. Hundred percent. All right, so I want to kind of get to some wrap-up question. Um, the first one's really, you know, what's been the most interesting application that you have found of Earth observation? Because you know you've been in the industry for a while, so you know it it takes something to surprise you that oh, Earth observation can do that kind of thing. Because you know, for someone like me who's not been in the sector, it's every application that does that, and it's the case for a lot of people. But for for someone who's been in the industry, well, what's what's been the most surprising? 
Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's it's the simplest applications that are the ones that excite me the most, actually, because typically it's something you wouldn't have thought about. It's a very straightforward application, and typically it integrates into an existing, you know, solution. So you're not trying to reinvent, you know, reinvent the wheel. And there's lots of great examples out, uh, you know, out there of of, of 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 this type of thing. You know, whether it's looking at um, oil reserves and understanding change over time as an indicator of capacity, very simple sort of measure, or something that we came across in the very early days of the catapult where we were looking to try and identify jellyfish um, from space, right? Um, why, why would anybody care about that? Well, you know, power plants on the coast, their water cooling inlets have a problem with drawing in jellyfish and having to shut down costs a lot of money. So actually, you know, being able to forecast these swarms is is a really important you know piece of piece of piece of intelligence. And then when you start to get into it, there's all sorts of um, you know spin-off applications of that, looking at uh, you know the health and beauty you know sector. Jellyfish is you know used a lot uh, in, in 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 beauty products. So is knowing knowing where to harvest is probably a valuable piece of information. So really simple. You know, simple application, but you know, really vast kind of um, connotations. All right. So, one question on the UK and the future of the UK Earth observation ecosystem: What would be your best case scenario for the UK's Earth observation ecosystem in, let's say, the next five years? Where do you think, where do you hope the ecosystem is? You know, you can get as specific as you want, or you know, stay high level. Okay. Good question. I mean, I think uh, I would make so two two things that I think would be good to see happen one is um for the uk to play more than it already is in the upstream space so do we have a uk owner operator um i think that would be interesting you know just looking at some of the stuff um that we've been doing with OneWeb recently you know it'd be it would be great to see the uk playing in in that space from an earth observation perspective and then i think more in the you know in the in the downstream as 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 that uh, you know that as that market starts to kind of consolidate as a result of all of the sort of influences and changes we've been discussing it would be great to see some significant businesses emerge from 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 the uk sort of sizable you know sizable businesses play in that space that are competitive with you know the rest of Europe and and with the US, which is typically where a lot of those big players, you know, reside reside today. So whether it's a, you know, an aggregator type of model type of model that enables that approach, or whether it's uh, you know commercializing a technology that is enabling of the market in general as a sort of cross cutting thing, you know, I would like to see some you know a handful of sizable businesses in in the UK really. Um, really grabbing a, a significant share of the market you know I, i would like to be specific in in saying that there's probably going to be a big climate finance or you know climate risk type of company that's you know probably will come out of the uk simply because of you know the the relevance for you know for 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 the financial market there and i think there there's going to be dictated right like and i don't know if that company is going to come from 
you know, technology first, you know, coming from space, going down and selling their products. But part of me thinks it's probably going to be the other way, simply because their needs are going to be dictated. Um, you know, whether you're looking at risk disclosures or emissions, whatever it is in the next five years, I think there's going to be quite a few companies that are going to come out that are probably going to even set the standard for, you know, how these products need to be built, because, you know, they'll probably be built closely together with um, with the industry and with the financial industry. So, yeah, that's kind of one of my predictions, if I will. Well, it's, a gr- it's a great example of where we have all the right ag- ingredients to do it if, if everybody would just kind of work together in, 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 the, in, in the right way. Yeah, sit so in the I same room. That's a good ch- I think that's a good challenge to set out to our community. <laughs> 100%. All right. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for being on the podcast. This was a lot of fun and, you know, very, very insightful. No, thanks for having me. It's been great. Cheers. Hey, this is Arvind again. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the Tyrawatt Space Podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Also, feel free to sign up for my newsletter, Terrawatch on Substack. That is terrawatch.substack.com, where I attempt to decode the recent developments in space tech and its impact on Earth. Thanks again and hope to see you for the next episode.